coming to you live on the first day of the year. Not a better way to kick off 2020 than uh, doing a little recording of the All That Jazz podcast. I'm Zach Hazeldine, your host. I'm Ben Jones. Jazz have won eight of the last nine games. It's exciting news. Um, For all of our loyal listeners out there that tune in weekly and listen, we apologize for taking the week off. But to be fair, we did give you an hour and 45-minute episode that is titled The Jazz Through the Decade. We we gave you enough content. If any of you have actually made it through it, please let us know. Send us a text, reach out in the comments, mm-hmm. um, whatever you want to do. Let us know if you actually got through it. It was a lot of work. It was a lot of fun. I don't know if we'll ever do it again. I mean, maybe 10 years from now. Maybe 10 years <laughs> from now. We'll have enough content to cover yeah. an hour and 45-minute podcast. Um, 2020 rolls around. Um, happy New Year. Happy Merry Christmas to everybody. Um, we hope you, you enjoyed the week. Um, Go figure. We we released an episode on Saturday, the, t- the Saturday before Christmas, and the it's 21st. our hour, two hour, you know, podcast, the twenty first. Mm-hmm. And on the twenty third, Monday night, we're playing a game against the you know who, the Miami, Miami Heat. Heat, and the Jazz make some moves. Yeah. We kind of had planned that we weren't going to do a podcast that week because we did an hour and 45, and then the Jazz do all this stuff. But yeah. fortunately for all you Jazz loyalists out there, we're not really in the breaking news business, are we, Ben? Nah. We're, nah. In, the, we're in the analyst business. We're, in the, uh, we're fans so that we watch games, we react, and then we talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your gut reactions? So which move are we going to start off? Well, you kind of you kind of stole the thunder too. We also are. How many games have we won? Eight of the last nine. Eight of the last nine. Um, yeah. So we're we're on a roll. We make these moves, and it kind of ties into this little win streak that we're going on. Mm-hmm. I think the first move that needs to be discussed is the bon voyaging, the trading, the. Uh, I don't even know what you want to call it, but the sending away of Exum and his island. <laughs> the island is still there. I don't Somehow. know. I don't know how it's still there. I think it's fair game to say that if we uh, traded Exum, then his island should go with it. But I mean, the thing that the whole Exum experience these past few years was people were always shocked that he wasn't playing, and to that I say, no. You should not be surprised he wasn't playing because he wasn't producing. Well, and I bet, I think it was Ben that sent me, I think you sent me a, a tweet or a screenshot of something that said, and it was from somebody, and this is total two, twi- t- two tweets and a lie material. <laughs> Quote, Dante Exum should be playing 25 minutes a night. Oh, I, w- I about <laughs> threw up. I like, was, I, was like, I, I saw that and was like, for what? How can you people warrant Dante Exum playing for 25 minutes a night? What does he do for you? What is he going to do we, besides fly three rows into the stands? Yeah, we've kind of talked every layup in camp. We've talked about Exum, but I was actually going to use that for two tweets in a lie last week. But uh, if you listen, or not last week, two weeks ago, it's been two uh-huh. weeks since we had that segment. But if you listen to two weeks ago, it was pretty crazy. So it, it was pretty insane. Yeah. So we trade Dante Exum. What are your thoughts? We get back Jordan Clarkson. What was the compensation? What was the package? I think we yeah. gave up Exum and two seconds. Two seconds. Yeah. It was like a 2023 Golden State second and a, one of our own. San Antonio. San Antonio second. The one we got in the Boris Boris Dia trade. There you go. Yeah. Um, we get back Jordan Clarkson. Mm-hmm. What are your reactions to it? You know. At fr- so it's, we're a week removed from this. He's had he's played really well. Um, so historically, Jordan Clarkson hasn't been a good player. When I was kind of looking through it when we traded for him, I was like, oh, he's having the best season of his career. So right now, Jordan Clarkson is currently having the best season of his career. And now he's on the best team. I think um, I actually listened to David Locke okay. when he talked about it. And he said... And he made a point, which I thought was really good, was he's never played on a winning team, except for that one year with LeBron. But he really hasn't played on a winning team. And the Jazz, I think the Jazz think that they can get something out of Clarkson that they couldn't get out of really anyone else. 
and I think that's fair. And to your point, we're recording this a week after, and he's averaging 15 tonight, which is – Yeah, he's playing well. I don't know how much he's averaging, but I know it's up there. He's played that's three games with us, and he's mm-hmm. gone like 12 points or 13 points, 19 points and 20 points. He is like – seems like the most confident human being I've seen in a Jazz uniform maybe ever. So my gut reaction to this in – I know there's a lot of you that would be like, oh, yeah, really cool. Confirm this after three games. I absolutely loved the trade. I thought the fact that we got Jordan Clarkson, who, to Ben's point, hasn't played on a, on a team, but he has, he has proven that he can score the basketball mm-hmm. and that he has great NBA ability and talent and belongs in the NBA, um, which I'm not sure Dante Exum has done yet. The fact that we traded for that and got back Jordan Clarkson was, in my mind, GM brilliance. There's a lot of people out there saying that we gave up too much, we overpaid, we didn't get enough back, you know, all this other stuff. But break down the situation here. You have a kid who was the fifth overall pick, has all this hype. I remember when he first came in, it was the, 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 the hype was, oh, he's training with Kobe Bryant's trainer like in LA like he's going to be the next Kobe he's going to teach him all Kobe's moves you know and there's all this hype around Dante Exum and I I want to be very clear in steering away from attacking Dante Exum Mm -hmm. versus just analyzing it analyzing it because I I don't want to bash him I think he gave everything he had and I actually really do feel bad for his injury history he had had an unlucky career for being terribly unlucky career but if you look at you look at like what played out with this, he has a rookie season where he plays every game, and everyone's kind of like, "Oh yeah, like not really sure." Definitely needs some time, and then he do- goes on these stints where it's G League shows all this potential. He's made all this growth, gets hurt, and sits out. Comes back G League, all this potential, all this growth. This G League is so important to him, or not G League, but Summer League is mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. Goes and tears up the Summer League goes and gets hurt and is out and it kind of goes on this cycle of doing this for all this amount of time and you really look at it and you're like i don't really know what he does i'm not like i mean everyone refers back to the the one time that he played good defense on james harden Mm -hmm. in the playoffs and it's like outside of that like he's not really a great three-point shooter i mean he's knocked down a couple threes in his career but not really great he is explosive and can beat his man off the dribble, but he's not really a great finisher at the rim. He doesn't have a good handle to break his guy down either. So It's kind of one of those deals where you look at what we gave up in a word that Ben has used on show and uses all the time. I would say Dante Exum is a distressed asset. Wouldn't yeah. you? If you're a rebuilding team like the Cavaliers are, trade for Dante Exum. Why not? Give it a shot, see what pans out. Mm-hmm. And for us, I think we're in a win-now mode. And the simple truth is Dante Exum was not going to tr- contribute to this team winning now. Yeah. So you flash that back to Jordan Clarkson, and this is exactly what I think this team needed. He's a guy that is the spark off the bench. We talked about that all the way back in November. Um, yeah, we've he can spark. play off the ball. He can play with the ball. He can play next to Donovan. He can play without Donovan. He can run the pick and roll. He can stand in the corner and shoot threes. And I don't want to make him be, you know, I I pump him up like he's an NBA all-star. But you look at what he's doing for this team, and you're like, man, this is a uh, a breath of fresh air. (laughs) Exactly what we needed. And so I look at that, and for those reasons, I I see what the Jazz did. And I I look at that, and I'm like, this this was a small price to pay for exactly what this team needed to to Mm. kind of boost boost morale, boost the bench, and kind of clean things up. Well, the thing I'm, I've been thinking about with Clarkson is, and it was kind of a discussion when we made the trade, is he's not really a Quinn Snyder player, but I don't think that's necessarily a negative. So I'm going to bring this example up. So when the Spurs signed Rudy Gay, everyone was like, what are they doing? Like, this is not a San Antonio Spurs player. Um, but Rudy Gay has been awesome for them. He's contributed. So I think the point of this trade is like, Find a guy who can work, can be willing to change his game a little bit to fit the system or, or the culture. And if you have two opposites where Quinn Snyder, Jordan Clarkson, 
they kind of want different things, essentially. Or they play the game differently. And if you can get them to work together, it's going to work tremendously because it's going to give Quinn something he hasn't had before, a scorer, kind of shoot-first guy. And it's going to give Jordan Clarkson something he hasn't had before, which is a competent team and coach and system around him, which is kind of what I thought about. Well, and then the other thing I think that in all excellent points, and that's kind of what I think we're seeing on the court. He, you can kind of plug him in and he just plays. Yeah. Goes and scores and plays, tries to play tough defense. I don't, I haven't really, really been watching if he's a good defender or not. Uh, he tries. And that's in the NBA. I think but it, that gets you somewhere. <laughs> it, from what I've seen, it's like the Jazz don't want him. Basically, if a guy drives on him, they're like, hey, just get on his back hip and drive make, him into Rudy. Drive him into Rudy, yeah. So it's yeah. like, all right, like, it's not a big deal that he's not a good defender for us because we do have a lot of defensive personnel. Well, I think the other thing that kind of goes to show with this trade, and this is like we could start playing like mysterious space music at this point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't That's, I can't that's pretty – that's kind of – that was terrible. But along the lines <laughs> of what we were looking for. Ba-dum-bum-bum-pow! Yeah, that – I don't know about that. We got that, that That's probably trademarked. Um, but anyways, I kind of wonder if this Clarkson trade was to get another ball handler in that could kind of, Oh, it absolutely was. It's not just Joe. It's not just because Mike Conley is going to be out for more than a minute. Yeah. And I'm kind of wondering like that, that's like conspiracy theory jazz. Like this is mm -hmm. like the deep inner workings of the jazz front office that we'll never know if it's true mm -hmm. but i wonder if they kind of saw this and they're like okay so it's december 23rd if we could get conley back by um i don't know like january 25th that would be good but that's a month without a point guard and that's a month where you're asking donovan to be it yeah hamstrings are there's not like a injury that i'm more afraid of but i feel like long term isn't as big of a deal you mm -hmm. know what i mean like a hamstring injury really sucks in the season but i i haven't really heard of a hamstring injury that really ruins someone someone's career well i think it's just a time thing yeah and so i think maybe that happens you know and then the last thing to kind of review in this weekend review for those that missed it pay attention to family and christmas that kind of a thing was mm -hmm. um the jazz front office or coaching staff or whoever was asked after the Miami game why they made the trade. And the response back was Tyler Hero or Hero, however you say his name. Oh my gosh, he torched us. Torched us and the the response was if Donovan Mitchell is guarding him when he plays thirty two minutes a night versus forty, those things don't happen. And I think that's kinda it kinda just goes to show why they one more time why they Mm -hmm. build the bench, bolster the bench, get some competency in there, someone that can step in and play, mm -hmm. and walk, boom. Donovan Mitchell turns into this efficiency monster over the last three games, and it's been spectacular to watch. Oh, my gosh. Donovan's been on, unreal. But sh should we talk about the, the Jeff Green waving? Jeff Green waving. This is part two of recent jazz news. We waved Jeff Green. What did you think? <sighs> Very unorthodox move. And I, I, I was, like, fine with Jeff Green. Like, I was like, eh. Like, he's fine. He wasn't going to, you know, be the difference between us winning a series and us losing a series. But um, it was kind of a really weird move to me because he was in our rotation. Um, it's like the week before he scored 20 points in a game. Oh, and yeah. And got water bottles dumped on him. Whoever thinks he hasn't had games that have helped us win, it's like you're lying. Like, he's helped us win a few games and kept us in a few games. Well, and he even kept us mentally, like, on that brutal road trip where we oh, went yeah. one for. It was Jeff Green that was in the media saying, hey, nobody cares fine. more, we're yeah. going to be fine, we just need to get our heads right. Yeah. And it was I, Jeff Green that was kind of leading the charge of yeah. that. I, pers um, I personally liked what he brought, you know, as the um, the non or uh, the person wise, like what mm -hmm. he brought in the locker room. I thought he seemed like a good dude. Uh, I saw an Andy Larson tweet where it's like Donovan dunked, and everyone celebrated, and Jeff Green sat on the bench, and he's like, "Oh, maybe this is why," and everyone just. Oh, well, that was the one that Donovan like jumped on. Yeah. And was like, oh, "Come on, Andy!" Like, and everyone I was, else was like that too. And why is Andy Larson always in the media? 
for doing <laughs> like saying stupid stuff like I don't that. Know. I that, like I I feel like if anyone's gonna piss Quinn Snyder off in the media, it's Andy Larson. It pr- if anyone's I, gonna get called <laughs> out by teammates, it's Andy Larson. If anyone's gonna get in trouble, it's Andy. And it's like, dude, at some point you just gotta learn to. Well, like, don't take liberties in trying to be funny. Don't try to get too creative. Don't get too cute. Just cover the jazz beat and call it a day. I you don't need to be telling us that yeah. Jeff Green's getting kicked off the team because he's sitting on the bench during a Donovan dunk. I hate to be this kind of person. Especially when the guy with Jeff Green's got such a reputation in the league of being a yeah a team player and a good teammate and the most easygoing guy and friendly guy that you can get along yeah. with. But on the court, it was like... It was very up and down, and he wasn't really an effort guy. He didn't really try too much, which is probably, I think, ultimately why they just released him. Well, and I, I'm kind of wondering if it was kind of one of those mutual things where yeah, Jeff Green was kind of like, love being here, I'm never going to ask for a trade because I'm a good guy and I don't want to make a public scene, but this just isn't, this just isn't the right fit. Which is totally fine. It's kind of like where you go into a job interview, you know, in the world today, and you you meet around and you meet a really cool company with some really cool people. But during the interview process, you mm-hmm. kind of figure out, you know, this just isn't what's best for me at this time. And and then maybe the the team thought the same thing. And it's it's kind of one of those things that I I kind of almost wonder if that's actually what happened. Jeff, you do great things. You're awesome, but. It's just we're just not in the same place. We're not on the right track with each other. We're not in sync. Yeah, I think when I saw what happened, I was really shocked initially. And then we signed this G League guy, Rajon Tucker, who has sick highlights and stuff like that. But I was thinking, I was like, what's like, what's the move? What are they trying to do? Tony Jones said they want to play Niang more minutes, which. If you've listened to these episodes, um, Niang's pretty one-dimensional, if we're being honest. And when he's not... I was a little shocked by that, too. I was kind of like, we waved. And Niang's been shooting the ball well, but... A better player so that we could play a worse player. It was weird, yeah. That doesn't make a lot of sense in my head. Mm -hmm. And I get Niang does stuff. I mean, maybe he plays better team-like chemistry... Has better understanding of Quinn Snyder's offense and Jeff Green didn't. Like maybe that was the thinking. His defense has been like I'm talking about Niang, but Niang's defense has been really bad, which is why I was mm-hmm. so surprised by the move. Like when when the bench would come in, and I think the whole bench problem isn't one player, which is why I think I saw some people immediately blaming Jeff Green for the bench problems, and I was like, no, nah, let's. But. Yeah, I don't think that's fair either. But I think it was like it was it was a it was a whole bunch of players that um made the bench suck. Mm-hmm. It was a group thing. Well, but, and I think once again you you kind of plug in and credit Dennis Lindsay, you plug in the right pieces into the right places mm-hmm. and things start clicking. And suddenly the bench I mean, what was the number in the Detroit game and it was all because of Jordan Clarkson, I feel like. And there was other people contributing, but there was there was like one point where we had outscored their bench like twenty two to twelve and it was in the first half. Yeah, and I was like, very refreshing. <laughs> Harpering and Buller Jack were both making a big deal about it. Yeah, hasn't happened all year. Mm-hmm. It's because there were some games where the bench scored nine points. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, and hopefully the, that's not a thing anymore. Yeah. The question I kept on asking myself was like, was Jeff Green the problem? Was he the problem? And I don't think he was, but he wasn't part of the solution at all. Which is, I yeah, think, and I, that maybe is a, a right way of saying it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, ultimately, did just getting rid of Jeff Green and bringing in Clarkson save the bench? No, but it definitely something changed. Something shook up. I mean, maybe it was like a mindset shakeup. Yeah. Maybe it was a, you know, personally, I'm of the belief that what changed was we added a dynamic player who could create his own shot or play off the ball. Yeah, that could run pick and rolls. That could spot up in the corner. That could. And that's and not to mention he plays with a lot of energy and confidence, and that's mm-hmm. exactly what we needed. If you've been listening to the show, we've been saying that literally since November. You I mean, know, the I, first week of November, our first show, we talked about the bench woes, and yeah. it was all about not having a spark. We don't, we just don't have that like X factor guy that you can plug in and mm-hmm. change gear. 
and that's what he does. I mean, he gets in the paint and hits these little f- turnaround, yeah, push shot floater hook things, yeah, in the paint, and he hits a three, and then he gets to the layup, and then he makes a pass, and then it's it's uh it's it's really refreshing to see. And mm-hmm. we haven't had a player like this. I hope it ever. continues to be that way. You mm-hmm. know, it right now it, it you know I I know I didn't have to say it on show, so I can't take too much credit. But right now, it feels really nice to have that and to kind of see, like, oh, yeah, this is actually working. But mm-hmm. um, over time, we'll see the brilliance of this move as the season continues to play out. I mean, hopefully. like Jam brilliance is how I would explain <laughs> it right now. Yeah, I, but I also I think they admitted that they made a mistake this offseason. Maybe they didn't made a, make a mistake. Maybe it was like, this isn't just working. Okay, so maybe they made a mistake. Never mind. But they just said, you know what, this isn't working out, and we got to. They they are not going to stand pat and let you know us let a good lumps. season kind of flush because yeah. you know. So and and all the best to Jeff Green. I hope he goes really? out and signs I, somewhere. And also with that, all the best from the show to Dante Exum. I know we've been harsh on him. Yeah. And all the Exum Islanders. Um, it's mm-hmm. just jazz fan frustration. Hopefully yeah. you can understand. But it's also one of those things that. You know, wishing him nothing but the best in Cleveland and wherever Jeff Green signs, which I think he'll end up on a contender soon. Yeah, I mean, if you're Portland, you literally need anything at the four. Especially with Rodney Hood being out. They're playing Mario Hazonia. Like, that guy sucks. Like, Portland signed Jeff Green. He could, like, he could play. He's an NBA player, I think. I I just think it wasn't working out here. Yeah, I would agree with that. But nothing but the best for him. Mm -hmm. Um, Before we move on to... The games, good things we've seen, the highlights, mm-hmm. lowlights. One other thing I wanted to talk about with the rotation and the bench, and that is what is going on with Ed Davis? Whoa. I. What are your thoughts, Ben? Because we've seen a couple games now where Tony Brantley's gotten the ring. And he's, it and hasn't he's been, been all right. It hasn't been Ed Davis at all. Yeah. I think I, it's been two games in a row now where he's had two DNPs. Yeah. I. So my theory was that he hasn't been completely healthy I looked up on the internet what his injury was, and it said about a six-week, like the fat, one of the fastest you can get is like a six-week recovery time, four to six weeks. Um, and I think he came back four weeks. So I just assumed he hasn't been healthy, and maybe we worked him a little too hard. But, I mean, I, I think feel like that would leak to the media, though. Yeah, maybe. You know, I feel like it would be like, yeah, it's a precaution. He's on a pitch count. He's, yeah, you know, but... Yeah, the games that he's played, and I'm trying to remember the last one he played in. He hasn't been hasn't been very good. Well, I think it's because we rely so heavily on the big man to roll to the rim, and he's not necessarily the best rim roller. Well, or defensively, he, he he's been. like an okay rim protector. He's not a shot blocker, but he like I think he is pretty sound. Like he doesn't you won't you won't see him falling for a bunch of pump fakes and and stuff like that. Yeah. I uh, it, that that's something I think to keep our eye on. I'm not exactly mm-hmm. sure how I feel about the whole Ed Davis situation yet. I Tony Bradley, I don't know if he's been impressive, but he ha- once again he hasn't pissed me off. Yeah, he gets into games and he got into some foul trouble, but he's playing against Andre Drummond, and that was also kind of a weirdly officiated game. I thought really weird game. It's kind of awkward with what they yeah. called and what they didn't, and when they called things and when they wouldn't. Um, but Tony Bradley's played well. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'd say he's at least played to the same level that Ed Davis has been. Maybe even better Yeah. in well, some instances. Someone, uh, a jazz fan on Twitter, his name's McCade. A lot of people hate him. But he's, <laughs> a lot of people hate him. Most, I, I don't know why. I'm not, like, super into jazz Twitter, but... People hate him, but he he tw- he posted this thing where this stat where it was like Tony Bradley is in the ninety second percentile of rim rollers, and Ed Davis is in the second percentile of rim rollers, which is which I thought was really interesting. That is interesting. I'd mm-hmm. love to see the numbers on that. Here, uh, I'll look for it. But like, um, I'd, I'd love to like see that in a game and notice yeah. it from the numbers. It was like points per possessions on rolling to the basket. Um, pick and rolls, and Tony Bradley was in the 91.7 percentile. Ed Davis was in the second percentile <laughs> at 0.6 points per possession. Yeah. 
very weird, but I, I, I think it's like we've kind of talked about missing favors, and I think the thing we've missed about favors was that him rolling to the basket with our second unit. Mm-hmm. And maybe Tony Bradley's just the replacement for that. Well, and I, I don't know. I have a lot of hope for Ed Davis still. Still a long season. I, still, yeah. I think we're going to find times where we need him. At a bare minimum, you kind of have to have three centers. Yeah. With how the Jazz play defensively and even mm-hmm. offensively. Like, if one of them goes down, then yeah, I've we don't have a power forward. <laughs> <laughs> we refuse to we have, have Niang. We don't have a power forward outside of that. Yeah. Um, um, we'd be in a lot of trouble if we didn't have three. Oh, yeah, so, I, I mean, and I, I'm fine with Ed Davis. On I the am still holding out hope for Ed Davis too. I think he's gonna. Hopefully, he'll he'll come back and contribute. Whatever's going on with him, uh, a lot of people want him want to trade him, and I think it's not a bad take, but I think it's an interesting thing to think. There's about. a lot of like pitchforks out in the jazz world right now. Yeah. I think it's because the front office, for the first time ever, has made like midseason moves. Well, like last year, we moved on from we sent uh, Rodney Hood to, and picked up Kyle Korver, mm-hmm. or never mind. Who did we trade for Kyle Korver? Was it Hood? No, it was uh, that was two years ago. We got Crowder. Burks. We traded Burks for Burks. It was Burks in two seconds for Korver for Korver. Um, and then this year, obviously, we made this trade just barely. Mm-hmm. So I think everybody's kind of fired up to fire up the trade machine. Yeah. And the other thing right now is everyone's calling. Let's trade Ed Davis. Let's trade. Mike Conley, let's trade pretty much anyone that doesn't score 20 points in a week. Yeah. If they I, don't score in a three-game period, if they don't score 20 points, they're on the trade block. And it's like, eh. Yeah. I don't think trading Mike Conley is the right answer right now. <laughs> I think we need to wait and see what happens with that. Well, we talked about this in the All-Decade episode, which if you haven't listened to, listen. Um, jazz have been really conservative. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the whole jazz thing where I was looking at, like, hey, worst trades, worst signings, and we don't really have any. Um, but that's because we're so con- conservative. But the thing about this past off season that I remember thinking about was, like, we took risks. Which oh, we certainly did. We took some swings. Yeah. Mike Jeff- Conley being one of them. Jeff Green being one of them. Mm-hmm. Ed- I didn't think Ed Davis was a risk at all. I thought he was going to be a backup center. I thought he could play. But right now he's not contributing. Not really. I just I you know we'll get we'll get to Mike Conley in his future later, but mm-hmm. I think right now the answer is you don't trade Mike Conley. Oh no, you, you don't. No, no. You just don't do that. No, no, no. Not to mention, and we'll get to it later, but we'll bring yeah. some other stuff up with that. Looking at the last uh, couple games, though, as Ben mentioned earlier in mm-hmm. the show, eight and nine, we're on a roll, going on this little road trip right now where we're playing. Yeah. To be honest with you, the very bottom yeah. of the league. <laughs> if, if we're being honest. Our next couple games are Bulls, Magic, Pelicans. We play the Knicks at home, the Hornets at home, and we're back on the road for the Wizards, Nets, Pelicans. And that gets us through the 16th of mm-hmm. January. If we're being honest, okay, and when we struggle, we say, well, our schedule sucks. Mm-hmm. We got to say the same about when we're winning and our schedule sucks. Or our schedule's favorable. Let's say that. When we're winning and our schedule is favorable, we have to talk about it because which we've played a lot of favorable games. We've played a lot of favorable matchups. We, it, it softened up right before Christmas. Uh huh. We lead through everything. We come back from the break. We lose that heartbreaker in Miami. Not really, but we trade, so no one really talks about it. Um, then we come back and we end up winning against Portland at home, which was a, in my opinion, that was a good game. That was a fun game, absolutely. Then Portland came back. They let this ferocious Kent come back, didn't they? The highlight of my night. The highlight of my entire, maybe my lifetime. <laughs> Carmelo Anthony gets the ball. We haven't talked about this yet. I forgot. <laughs> we texted about this. Oh, my gosh. We're going to relive back a week. Okay. Um, here's the situation. <laughs> the Jazz go on this ferocious lead. They, they, third quarter, they blow them up. And mm-hmm. then in the fourth quarter, the bench. we scored like two points. And they yeah. scored like... 30 points, so they make up all this ground. Yeah. It's neck and neck. It comes down to the wire. Donovan starts playing Donovan Mitchell in the fourth quarter. There's a bunch of threes back and forth. We're answering. They answer. We answer back. The show goes on. It comes down to the last play. Okay. Jazz are ahead by two. <laughs> Portland needs to go get uh, a bucket. Oh, man. The play breaks down. 
Because I think Rudy, didn't he tip a shot or like a pass got tipped or something oh, like Rudy, that? I think Rudy blocked Dame. I think Rudy did block Dame. It and nice it, the block. ball gets kicked out, and it's like everyone's jumping for the ball. It's a feeding frenzy for the ball up there. <laughs> and guess who catches uh. it? <laughs> guess who catches it? <laughs> Is he an enemy of the show? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he's an enemy of the show, but he should be the enemy of basketball. Carmelo freaking Anthony comes down with the ball. And... What does he do? <laughs> doesn't pass it to Damian Lillard, the best player on the team. So he doesn't do that, but not only does he not do that, he looks at him, and then he looks away from him, and then he hucks up a shot. Oh, my god! Over Rudy Gobert. Wow. To I, which Rudy blocks the shot again. Oh, and he blocked the, it? I thought it was just an awful shot. That no, he, 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 like, tipped it. Oh. Rudy, like, got it on the way up, which makes it even worse. <laughs> and uh, we pick up the ball, and the game's over. Just, I remember you texted in our little jazz group chat, and you were like, you were just laughing. Oh, I was hysterical about the whole thing. It was just ha 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 ha. Yeah, I mean, it was that to me was one of the funny Carmelo Anthony strikes again. You know, he finally works his way back up onto a team. He's on this <laughs> roster, he, and, he, and he was playing. He right. hasn't played in two years because no one wanted him, and he plays all right. <laughs> and then in the one moment where you needed to yield your Carmelo Anthony powers. Okay, yield oh them, turn gosh. them off, and dish it out to Damian Lillard or C.J. McCollum, who uh, once won a three-point contest. The other one shoots 43-ish percent oh, I don't know, man. from three on the year. Something. They're Instead both of doing players. that, you huck it up in a hero ball sense, and the shot gets tipped. Game's <laughs> over. Another thing about the game I was thinking of, though, is a lot of people are like, oh, the bench, the bench. It's like we also need to acknowledge Dame just – was on fire. And same with CJ. They both just, in the fourth quarter, they were, like, unstoppable. Mm-hmm. So while our bench wasn't good, we do need to, like, know that, hey, Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum were really good. Oh, and they, they turned it on in the second half. Yeah. I, I also, about the Carmelo Anthony thing, you know, we've kind of come for full circle on this, epi- on this show multiple times. Uh, the Michael Carter-Williams fight that we predicted. Um... That was another interesting, yeah, fun moment for us. Maybe maybe you guys didn't even notice. But anyways, the Carmelo Anthony thing where we were playing two tweets in a lie, and I, w- I made up a tweet that someone wanted Carmelo Anthony on the Jazz, and you knew it was bull. But it just makes so much sense that he would try to isolate against us, try to win, because... I'm just going to say it. Carmelo, I think he listens to the show. That's He wanted to prove something to us that he can beat us. Well, and I also think that he's probably trying to cure some PTSD from the 2017 playoffs. Oh, my gosh. With Oklahoma City. And uh, that's just kind of funny. That was that was that was one of the best Christmas presents I got, was watching Carmelo Anthony look at Dame. And it was like slow motion. I remember watching it. I was watching the game. He looks over at Dame, who's like, pass the ball. Like, I'm open. <laughs> and then he looks back, and almost as if he waved him off. You know, mentally, he did. And then he hucks up a shot that gets tipped, and game's over. Um, that was a good win. I was <laughs> expected them to. The Clippers, um, some are saying, and I would agree with this, that it was the marquee, you know, stamp of the season kind of a win. Mm-hmm. Um, Donovan Mitchell. Oh my Pure gosh. brilliance. He's been unreal. Pure, pure brilliance. And the thing that I loved was the efficiency of it all. In the game, he didn't go to the free throw line. He was, I think, 12 of 19 or 13 of 19 mm-hmm. with 35 points. And that's, I mean, that is a lot to ask out of someone. Unbelievable. But when he does that, you're like, wow. Unbelievable. And Clarkson yeah. kind of kept us going. I mean, I mm-hmm. watching that game, I was blown away by him as well. Yeah. In that, in the first half, we uh, I, I kept thinking the game was going to get away from us. Yeah. It just felt that way where, like, we would – they'd go on a run and they'd get up 10, and then I was like, man, here's where they blow it open. And then we'd come back with five points. and We came to play, though. Oh, I mean, that we took every single blow. And the thing that's really funny with that, too, is I don't know if you saw this, but Doc Rivers was like, yeah, against the Jazz, we had, like, eight guys that were sick. It's like, yeah, can I tell you what, Doc, if they're sick, then tell them not to play. <laughs> they're on the floor, which they were. Yeah. It was Kawhi Leonard. It was Paul George. I don't care if they're sick. 
they're out on the floor playing. And stop making excuses. That's the thing. Like, I think there was an NFL team where their team got the flu and they lost a week. And the narrative from the media was like, hey, they had the flu this week. And I, that same week, the Seattle Seahawks, my team, everyone had the flu, but they won the game. So Yeah, it's just like, you know matter. what? Like, don't... Uh, Excuses. Stay home. If you're if you're gonna make an excuse for it, then stay home. Yeah, Go sniffle I'm, at home. I am sick right now, but I'm recording. And he's on. Guess what? Ben is warring through it. This is my flu game. This is your flu game. And mm-hmm. so far, I think we're off to a hell of a show. Yes. Hell of a 2020. Um, <laughs> here we are. So, anyways, yeah. the Jazz keep responding back, but I thought Jordan Clarkson, by and large, was one of the reasons why we 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 don't win that game without him. I agree with you because we get in there and he just did his thing in the first half. 13 points. They didn't have an answer for him. Mm-hmm. Finished with 19. There was a couple other plays that he made in the second half, which were just pure hustle plays. That one where I think it was Bogey that kind of had a fast break and went down to the rim and the shot either got blocked or it was like a contested layup on a fast break. And instead of just thinking that, oh, it's the NBA and guys make layups on fast breaks all the time, Jordan Clarkson was the one that was kind of trailer man and picked up the ball, laid it back in. We go up by two. It was a key bucket. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's stuff like that, though, that I see that I'm like, finally some. Do you remember when we talked about urgency? Yeah. We talked about yeah. excitement and, like, a lack of the, desire they, and, like. Like how Jeff Green, I thought, was a zombie for how yeah. the time he played. Remember when we talked about all those things and, mm-hmm. like, that was kind of November-ish? They don't want it. <laughs> They're not taking it serious. Remember when we talked about all that? I feel like that's kind of one of the things that has changed. Yeah. And I think you can see that kind of urgency that they play with, mm-hmm. especially in that Clippers game. Yeah. Because I kept thinking we were going to fold, and we just kept throwing haymakers mm-hmm. right back at them. Yeah. And it gave me a lot of hope. Yeah, the They've thing- been the one team that I think that I've been scared of. It's the two L.A. teams in the in the league. Every other team I expect the Jazz to compete with and win. So the Fakers and the Clippers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and I'd love to see. I mean, we've only we've played the Lakers twice. The Fakers, you mean? And I think they've killed us twice, haven't yeah, they? They've destroyed us. I I would love to play them again when we're kind of firing on all mm-hmm. cylinders. Well, which we, we'll get them. I mean, Bogdanovich didn't have a good game against the Clippers, and Bogdanovich has struggled these past few games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, kind of moving so? on to the Pistons game. Yeah, what I... was up with Bogey, man? I mean, he was like missing like. Wide open, like, floaters from four feet? I think he's just, maybe it's, you know, exhaustion. Maybe it's regression because he was on fire, you know, the first couple months. Someone pointed out, I think it might have been Harp on TV. He has had more 30-point games this year with the Jazz than he he has in his entire single career. Like, he's already exceeded that. So you see that, and you're like, man, I... For for all the drama that, that was like Donovan versus Bogey and the <laughs> beef and all that stuff, like Bogey, like really should be pretty happy he's here. I mean, he's arguably playing the best of his career. Yeah. So I don't know what's going on with these like little missed jumpers. Though. I I just think they're little bunny shots. I I just think stuff happens, and ultimately there's cold streaks and there's hot streaks, and I think he's just in the middle of a cold streak and he's going to come out of it. That's what I think. The encouraging thing is is that we're still winning. Yeah, yeah. It's something I've noticed is like the games I feel really confident about. Boyan doesn't play as well, but I. I it's, it's not just like you don't notice him as much. It's not because I, mean, I think he still had yeah. like sixteen yes, points or whatever. Point. You don't notice him like it's when he's more of a complimentary piece than the primary scorer. I feel like it's just we play a lot better. If that mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. I'm looking up his numbers. He was six of fifteen with seventeen points. See, like that's he was good. one of four from three, and that's kind of the area where yeah. you're like, eh. Yeah. Donovan was seven of fifteen. Is uh, was seven of fifteen, but he had twenty three. He yeah. was one of four from three as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I wanted to call out from all this stuff, and then we can kind of move on to the next segment of the show, has <laughs> been the resurgence of one Joseph Hallsworth Ingles. Oh my gosh, unbelievable! I. Welcome back, Joe. Oh, it's about time. I don't know what happened, but we have got trash talking, doesn't take crap from anybody, wants to go hit five threes in your face and mm-hmm. let you know about it, um, Joe Ingles. Oh, it's and been great. It, it is the most fantastic thing in the world to see. Oh, yeah. Well, if we can just get everyone playing well at the same time, 
like if we can get Joe, Boyan, Mike, and Donovan all playing at a high level. Oh. Good night. Yeah. And have mercy. Yeah. I mean, Joe Ingles, though, is welcome back, man. Oh, it's been and so good. I, I think that is like another thing, too, to kind of. I'm kind of building some of this in my head and realizing some of these things as I'm talking, which I don't know if that's good for a podcast or not. We do a lot of homework, for the record. We actually do. Um, but one of the things that, you know, now that I think about it, I mean, you get Clarkson that's adding a lot of spark. The win streak's been going on longer before that, though, or this, like, nine, eight or nine game, eight out of nine games that we've won. Mm-hmm. Joe's been phenomenal throughout that whole stretch, and I think that – also contributes to the bench's success because he kind of mixes in. He's in the starting lineup now, but yeah, I think I don't know if we put him back on the bench when I think Mike you comes have back. to. I think you have to start him. And I mean, I, he's just been phenomenal. And I've been I've been wanting Joe to come off the bench because I want him to be the creator for the bench, like the pick and roll ball handler for the bench. But it's like we kind of have to keep him, and that's just where I'm at. And like ultimately, I think it's. He's going to play his best starting, and I think it's not the biggest deal if he doesn't come off the bench. Maybe, maybe we, I was saying I think this. if you stagger minutes, like in. We kind of got into this with Faves a little bit. Um, we also got into it with. I'm trying to. Maybe it was Crowder. I can't remember who. But the point that they made, there was a there was a player in the past that was like, who do we start him or do we start this guy? We're going to start this guy. But and then the clause was it really doesn't matter who starts the game; it matters who finishes. Mm-hmm. I think Joe Ingles is one of those guys that is going to be on the floor. Yeah, in a tight game, it might not matter. It might just be matchup, like the way the Raptors did last year with Gasol and Ibaka. Yeah, you play the guy that's going to give you the best chance to win. Yeah, against that specific team. The thing that's hard is the minutes he takes from is Royce, mm-hmm. and Royce, Royce has O'Neal been has been phenomenal. Forty-five percent three shooter this year. And he needs to take more. Yeah, I mean, I, you got to keep getting that guy shots. Yeah. So, well, my, you know my theory on forty-five percent three-point shooters: shoot the ball more. Just shoot average. the ball more. Yeah, it's what Steph. Yeah. You, you never want to see Steph Curry shooting fifty percent from well, three. Uh, there was because if he's making if he's making five out of ten, why not make it eight out of fifteen? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, but what was the year that or the, nine? I guess the year he was, you know, was unreal. I think he was shooting like. He was 39% shoot- or something. He was shooting like 12 threes a game, shooting 45% from three. Like, it was ridiculous. Well, and that, that, that also was a historical mm-hmm. year where we probably may never – I'm hesitant to say it because the way the league is – the way kids grow up playing now is I think they learn to shoot threes before they do layups. Yeah, I would be shocked <laughs> if we saw another Steph Curry. I would I would too, but you at hear the that same Trae time, Young? I would be shocked to hear – yeah, that well, we have another Steph Curry. Trey Young, if he's on the same timeline, has five years and seven broken ankles to get through before <laughs> he's on the same career path as Steph. But, yeah. Um, the point of it all is, is I agree. I think yeah. Royce needs to be shooting more, getting more shots. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that, in along with everything that's been going well, the increased bench play, the increased defense, which is coming around. I'm yeah. still not quite comfortable with it. Everybody I talk to, they're like, "What'd you think of the game?" And I always say, we still gave up 115 points to a team that we should have only given up 95 to. Yeah. So I don't know what's up with that. Um, but I'll take wins as they come. Yeah. I think the defense needs to get shored up a little bit, though. Um, yeah. I'd like definitely. to start seeing us win games with teams under 100 points where we're winning like 115 to 98 kind of stuff. Um, I would love to win by 17 every game, too. It would be a fantastic – we'd win a lot of games if we did that, <laughs> wouldn't we? If we scored 17 more points in the opposition, we would be winning a lot. Um, there's some Sabermetrics. St- th- there's our reading of the stats for the day. Mm-hmm. The other thing I wanted to point out, though, was the – I don't know what changed. I don't know if there was a team meeting or practice. Mm-hmm. Because we even saw it when Jeff Green was here. Yeah. The ball movement has gone through the roof. I was waiting for you to say that. Because that's been the whole – that was the issue at the beginning of the season, but the ball movement is coming around. And, and it's like sensible ball movement. Yeah. It's ball movement that moves the defense. Mm-hmm. And oh. you got, you know, guys passing up shots that they did take earlier in the season, just kick it back out to Joe, who gets it to Donovan. I mean, I, I was it the Blazers game where Donovan – 
goes to the lane, throws this really flashy pass to Rudy, who's going up for the layup. Donovan kicks out to the opposite corner. They kick it out to Joe in the other corner from Donovan. It goes all the way around the horn and gets to Donovan in the corner. Oh, yeah, puts yeah, up yeah, a three yeah. and that, he makes was it. The, uh, that was the Blazers game. I saw that, and I was like, that was not happening. That, oh, it absolutely. was off our radar. It was not physically possible mm-hmm. for our team to do that in October and in November. Yeah. And that's what we were missing. And, you know, everybody freaked out about it. It may have been the Morgan Jewelers diamond play of the game. It probably it had to be. I don't know why it wasn't. The only way it wouldn't have been is if there was some sick dunk. But that play was like, wow. That is what we've been missing. And it was like, boom, 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 passing. It was beautiful. And it gets back to the guy that initiated it in the other corner. Who, who? That's the kind of stuff, though, that I'm like mm-hmm. kind of licking my chops looking forward to. Is we start integrating these guys. We start putting three shooters out there. We start putting all this stuff, and it's like, man... The sky is the limit yeah. when we play like oh, that. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Uh, can we talk about Ray John Tucker and uh, Jawan Morgan for me? Let's for finish sake. that up, and then we'll look at uh, we'll look at the, the schedule upcoming. Yeah, and then we'll f- wrap up the show with our yeah. with the favorite game show. So when we signed Ray John Tucker, I immediately went to YouTube because I am a let's call me a G League nerd. I I love. I what is a G League nerd or a summer league nerd? Just someone who loves the draft, basically trying to find people the diamond in the rough. Okay, like I enjoy that a lot. It's a hobby of mine. So I immediately go to YouTube. I search Ray John Tucker highlights. It's like Ray John Tucker thirty six points against the Salt Aust- City team, the Austin Spurs yeah. against all these G League teams. I was looking at him. I'm like, wow, this is sick. He's got some sick highlights. And then he's got these dunks. He's athletic. So immediately I'm like, okay, I think this guy is a a wing that we can play. And then I keep on watching his highlights and re-watching them because I'm a crazy person. And I'm like, okay, he's the next Donovan Mitchell. So now I'm officially going to start the bandwagon, the Ray John Tucker bandwagon of the next Donovan Mitchell. I feel like that is a knee-jerk reaction. Oh, it's insanity. <laughs> <laughs> it's This is what you get on the All That Jazz podcast. Pure insanity. Um, and the reason why I say it, it was, it was kind of funny. Um, it was really, he got his first minutes in the Detroit game. Oh. <laughs> and he jacked up a three um, and missed, you could totally tell. It was like the most <laughs> adrenaline. adrenaline shot that I've ever seen in my, because, I mean, he drilled the backboard. Yeah. Missed everything and just clunk. But he got to the rim. And, and then he got like, to the rim, got fouled, missed two free throws, and then they got him a layup and got his first NBA bucket. And it was kind of cool to see. Oh. He was really going for it, though. Um, I, I hope the world for the kid. Donovan is his obviously, for those of you that haven't heard, he and Donovan were in a dunk contest that's part of the YouTube highlights in high school. Donovan actually finished third in that, which is kind of like, did Derek whoa. Jones, did Derek Jones win? <laughs> I can't remember, but Rajon finished second. And so it was kind of one of those deals that's like, from a pure like fan perspective, like, yeah, oh, I, re- so I really fun. am excited to see him in yeah. Summer League next year. Summer League is going to be ex- just phenomenal. Because I think, I, I, I honestly, so the other thing with it, and, you know, when this all happened, our group chat just started blowing up with, this is what this guy says, this is what this guy says. Yeah, I, I think Collinger was John Hollinger. Hollinger was the one that was athletic. like, here is, yeah, from The Athletic. We'll credit The Athletic all day long. Because it's the best sporting coverage you can yeah, get. Yeah, we are we It's are better than our snobs. show. Oh, before, you, before you listen to this podcast, go read what Tony Jones writes. Go read what Hollinger writes. Go write what. Oh, my gosh. Anything that is published by The Athletic is gold. Oh, yeah. I can't read regular articles anymore yeah it's because it, it's restored my faith in sports writing people think that this might be a sponsored segment it really isn't like we really love the athletic it's phenomenal <laughs> it's worth every cent ask for it for your birthday ask for it for christmas uh, yeah. whatever it is yeah. valentine's day is coming up i got it for christmas this year it's, i renewed my subscription Special 40 bucks thanks for a to year. andrew um yeah there you go um anyways he rajon tucker and Jawan morgan both landed on hollinger's these are some guys that teams are really interested in that probably should be on an NBA roster right now. And they are, officially. And the Jazz got two of them. The other guy is, uh, who was it? We had him on our summer league roster, and we let him go. Oh, this year? 
I think so. Um, what is he a big man or a guard or a wing? Wing, I think. If I remember right, it's, it's not Stanton Kid. No, it's not Stanton Kid. Oh yeah. wait, no, no. Beside I, the yeah. point, he was in the system, and I think your brother was like, "How come we let him go?" And I was like, "Well, we can only take on so many." Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm pretty excited projects. about the young guys. I I am too. Like I see this, and I'm like. You know, you you couldn't help ask the question, and here's the knee-jerk reaction part for me. What the hell was all, were all the other NBA teams doing not signing this guy? What was Milwaukee not doing signing this guy? He would. He was in their gosh. backyard for the whole year, yeah. for the whole G League season, which has only been like a month. But you know, this guy's highlights, and it's like 32 points, 36 mm-hmm. points, 34 points, 28 points. And you watch his highlights, and you're like, this guy's making contested threes, off the dribble threes, spot up threes, dunks, layups, mid range, and you see him, and you're like, he kind of does look like Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> like, whoa, I've converted him. I, I'm not converted. I'm not converted because I want to see like playing in the G League is different than playing in the NBA. Playing within a system is different than yeah. playing in a team that features yeah. you in the mm-hmm. G League. Um, and that's what I want to see. But to say that I'm not excited would be a gross understatement. I, yeah. I cannot wait to see what Quinn Snyder can get with this guy, mold him, and maybe he turns into another bench guy that's just like this freak athlete contributor from the bench that, you know, eventually turns into something. That, that That's the yeah. best case scenario. But definitely a shot worth taking. But between um, Jawan Morgan, uh, Ray John Tucker – Jarrell Brantley, Mieoni, Justin Wright Foreman. It's a G League championship team right Those there. are five really good G League players who I think are might have a potential to be in the rotation next year. Um we'll obviously probably not be yeah. able to hold our on to all of them, but I would the one I'd be willing to get rid of is uh, anyways, we shouldn't talk about this SLC. This is not stars. a ju- yeah, we're, we're, this I, is a we, jazz pod, oh not gosh. an SLC sorry. I'm sorry. Pod. Jawan Morgan, though, he played in the Pistons game. He played some good D. He's been shooting the ball 50% from three in the G League, which if he does that in the NBA, he's going to be awesome. Well, they even named, we think we can get Jawan Morgan out on the floor. Yeah. Um, when we're in a bind, when the Yang's in foul trouble. Defensively. And we, he, defensively, I he's think there. he's an NBA guy already. Mm-hmm. Offensively, I think it's just a matter of time, but we wouldn't be asking him. Yeah, to go score a bunch of points. I also anyway. watched SLC star highlights after the Ray John Tucker highlights, and uh, Joan Morgan did look really good. He was, he was hitting yeah. threes, playing some good D. Yeah, I'm excited to see what I'm happens sorry. with that. We'll get back to the news right now. Um, <laughs> Shout out to the SL. I should just do an episode by myself talking about the stars because of how excited I get because of them. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, it's an exciting time. Looking at the schedule ahead, we kind of ran through it. Um, we really don't play a challenging game. Everything's against the East. Mm-hmm. Um, everything kind of sucks. The first West team we play is the Pels. It's a Thursday night, the 16th. Um, and then we, we close the – we play the Pacers on the 20th, and then we go into this stretch where we go Mavs, Rockets, Spurs, Nugs, which is pretty meaty. The good news is is we have a ton of time to get our crap together. Mm-hmm. I expect to see a lot of the same stuff that we're already doing. Why? Because we're winning. Mm-hmm. Um, offensive ball movement. I want to see the defense tighten up. I want to see the rotation kind of get figured out. I really hope that we can get Conley back before that tough stretch so we can give him a couple warm-up games against. I just want him to be healthy. I do too, but I would really prefer him to come back against the Pelicans or the, the Magic. Pelicans. Oh, wait, Zion instead, might come back. Well, yeah. yeah, he might be back, but it would be better to do that instead of playing the Rockets the first night. That is you know true. I mean? Yeah. So hopefully that happens, but we'll take Mike back whenever we can get him. Mm-hmm. To get to the closing segment of the show, we're going to play a game. All right. And it has to do with Mike Conley. And I forgot our um, our prop, which is right over there. I'm going to go get it. Ben, uh, why don't you tell us some interesting facts for the next 15 seconds? All right, the Ooh. SLC stars. Let me just Let me just start with this, okay? Watching these highlights. All right. Justin Wright Foreman looks like a legitimate NBA point guard. No, I'm kidding. He doesn't. But he does look very smooth and has a nice handle. Have you ruined the show? I already have. Since I've been gone. Oh, it's been like 10 seconds, dude. I was was holding that 
not to interrupt, but before you today, and for all you people out on YouTube, this is the first time we've unveiled this. It's a basketball. It's not a basketball. It looks like a basketball, but this is the magical cowhide globe, as um, mm. the famed announcer Hot Rod Hunley would say. It's cowhide? Basketball's a cowhide? They probably used to be. The cowhide <laughs> globe hits home is what he used to say when three ball would go up or a shot would go up. Have we mentioned Hot Rod Hunley on every episode? Sorry. I try to because I don't think people get the reference. It's I start every show with what Hot Rod would bring every broadcast in with. Um, and so, and to honor him, this is the magical cowhide globe of the mystic future. Think All of right. it as a, as a crystal ball. Mm-hmm. This is the show. I play two tweets in a lie. You, you come up with the material. I answer the questions. This one's for you. Oh. You are going to look into the cowhide globe of mysterious magic, mm-hmm. and you are going to tell me the future of Mike Conley with the Utah Jazz. So is this future this season? Or this like season. This season. I want to know specifically when he comes back, how he's integrated, what he looks like. Is there a learning curve? Everything, your thoughts with Mike Conley. Okay. To put this ease to fans. So Ben is going to look into the future, folks. It's happening now. This ball is signed by members of the Utah Jazz. I don't know who because none of them write their names so I can read it. That's how That's how you do it. Uh. The feeling I'm getting is January 22nd. Do we even have a game that night? Let's look. I don't know, but that's when I think he's going to be healthy. January 22nd. My birthday is the 24th, so that would be great. We play the Warriors that night. It's on yes. ESPN. January 22nd against the Warriors. Um, he's going to come back. He's gonna. He's gonna be better than he was. He's going to be comfortable. He's going to average 16, three rebounds, six and a half assists, shooting 44% from the field, 36% from three. And he's going to be awesome. There we go. So the Cal Globe is spoken to you. Yes. Would you say, based on this mystical crystal ball reading that you could say that keeping him is the right answer let me touch it again yes yes integration wise and we'll wrap the show up i think mike conley there is going to be a bit of a learning curve to insert him but i think the bench needs so much help we're not going to really see that much of it. And I think he's going to be excited to be back. I think And I think the team's going to be excited to be back. And I think Donovan Mitchell shooting 7 of 15 or 13 of 19 shots a night leaves compared to like when shot distribution was a thing for us like in October, November. Mm-hmm. We're leaving shots on the floor for Mike Conley because Donovan's not shooting the ball 29 times, mm-hmm. 25 times, 27 times. There's simply going to be more shots. Um, and for that, I am very excited. Um, we're going to keep working on that segment. We're going to add right. some excitement about it. I'll come up with better questions for reading the future. But I think this is accurate. And as so far this show has gone, we've correctly predicted a few things now, which mm. leads us to believe there is some magic. We predicted the Joe Ingles pissing off Michael Carter-Williams and him getting a text. Almost to a T. Yeah. It was hilarious. <laughs> um, ben predicted that the turnaround where, like, the statement game would be against the Pistons. That's also... Somewhat true. Looking I think like it's correct. We could always start losing, but we won the Clippers game, and Donovan Mitchell was the first to say in the post game, this means nothing until we can beat the Pistons. We can't have a good game. <laughs> we can't have a good game and then drop against a lesser opponent. We need to continue it together. And a lot of times, I think we will look back on that Clippers Pistons time frame of the season, the end of the year, um, the end of the of 2019. At the end of the Jazz season, we'll look back at the end of 2019 and we'll pinpoint that and say, yeah, that was about the turning point. Um, and I'm comfortable sticking by that. And so, based on this reading of the, the Cowhide Globe, you've heard it here first, folks. Mike Conley back January 22nd against the Warriors, and he's going to go on a tear. Go Jazz, baby. Go Jazz. Um, we get back in action tomorrow night. Yeah, tomorrow night again. Crap. Who I've read it? it four times. I so it's the Bulls. It's a road Bulls. game against the Bulls. All right. I swear if we 
lose to the Bulls, I don't know. I It would almost undo winning against the Clippers <laughs> and the Pistons. <laughs> so you just yeah. don't lose this game. Yeah. Um, we predict a win. As always, Happy New Year. Happy New we Year. We thank our fans. We thank our listeners everywhere. We'll get back onto our regular weekly schedule, yep. and we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks, Croatian listeners. Go Jazz. <laughs>